Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Everybody doing well? Good, good. Hey, only five more days till college football starts. And if you start on Thursday night, it starts earlier, amen? Get you some of that. I'm excited. Hey, we're in our last week of our series today called Fixer Upper. I want to welcome both of our campuses. If you're worshiping with us here at noon and raise your hand. If you're not worshiping, you're not here. If you're worshiping with us at LaGrange, raise your hand. I just want to make sure that you're alive and that you can hear me. But uh, we're a multi-site church. We are in two locations, two campuses, two cities, and uh, very excited about that. So I'm glad that you're here today for the final message of the series called Fixer Upper. And and we said this all along during the series. Uh, The whole idea of this whole series is that God's design for you is transformation, not renovation. It's transformation, not renovation. It's not that God wants you to mail your life in and he's gonna resend you back a refurbished you. He says, I want you to have a renewed life. I want to renew you. And, and it's just awesome to look at some of your faces because over the last four weeks, some of your countenances have changed. And I can see life just flowing through some of you in ways I've never seen before because for the first time, you finally figured out who God said you are. And it's just pretty awesome. And so today's cool because today's the big reveal, Right? Don't y'all love the part in the show where, you know, they work all 25 minutes to get down to the last five minutes. That's why we DVR, amen. And they get down to the last five minutes and you're just waiting for that moment where Chip and Joanne stand at the edge of those two pieces and they pull it apart and they said, are you ready to see your fixer upper? And we're at that moment today, we're going to talk about our reveal, but I also know that every time they do that show and every time they do that message, they always take you back to where it all started. They always want to remind you of why you chose the house you chose and what that house was like before it was changed, before it was transformed. And today, that's what I want to do in this moment. If you have a Bible, you're going to need it today because we're going to start in Genesis and we're going to go all the way to Revelations. And three hours from now... We'll all go down to the sizzler, okay? (laughs) We need to remember where this whole transformation began. I want to take you back to a garden. I want to take you back to the place where God began to create all of the world. And as he created all the world, he got to a place where he created us. He created man. In fact, in In the book of Genesis 126, listen to what the Bible says. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And so for some of you go, wait a minute, God didn't say in my likeness, he said in our likeness. Why? Because from the very beginning, from the moment that God created the world, it was God the Father, Jesus with him and the Holy Spirit. In fact, when God created the world, the Holy Spirit was there. Jesus was there. And so when God looked down and he said, I want to create man, I want to create you, he looked at the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, and he said, let us make man in our image. Then in Genesis 2, verse 7, we know this. It says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
I want you to get this picture. It would have been the end of the sixth day. God would have created many other things, but at the end of the sixth day, there's probably a good chance that he looked at the angels and and maybe he said something, maybe he didn't, but he knew in his heart, there's one more thing that I need to create. And the angels probably realized at that moment, he's about to do something that forever change all of humanity. It actually would create humanity. He looked down at the red clay. He probably looked up at everything else he created. But then he looks down at the red clay and he begins to dig his hands into that red clay and he begins to form it together. And the angels are probably looking because, see, they were the highest form of everything that was invisible. You couldn't see the angels. They were just invisible, but they're looking down and God's down here and he's creating. He's putting this whole thing together. And they're probably maybe like looking over shoulders going, what in the world is he doing? Look at everything else he's created. Look at all that he put together. Look at the mountains. Look at the seas. Look at the animals. Look at the deer that we get to shoot. Sorry, Peter. But he looked and he's starting to form and all of a sudden probably something in him reached inside of him and he pulled something out. It was something he had never given to the angels. But he looked down and he put it into the clay. And he formed it and he set it aside. And all of a sudden he came back and for the first time in all of creation, the angels saw something they had never ever seen before. The image of God. In man. The Bible says he breathed into their nostrils and they had life. Let me tell you something great about you. I got great news for you today. You were designed for God's image. That was God's original plan. But you were destined for all of his life. I love it in 2-7 in Genesis when he says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You and I, we were formed, we were in the image of God, but then God did the unthinkable. He breathed into our nostrils and he put all of his life into us. I'm like, wow, that's a cool moment. Like I could use more of that on a Monday, amen? But why did he do that? Because we were always destined to live fully alive. We were always intended to have all of him all the time. And so the relationship began. There's man and there's God and they're in this garden and and all of this is happening and we know that he created woman and we know all that story. But then the unthinkable happened. Sin entered the world. Man made a choice. And when sin entered the world, the unthinkable happened. Here's what happened. Everything that God breathed into us, everything that we were created for, the identity we were supposed to have was stolen. And when it was stolen from us, we became separated from the one that loved us the most and the one that we loved the most, God. And it was stolen from us and suddenly we no longer felt like sons, we felt like orphans. Like it's the whole reason that probably Adam when he was walking through the garden was afraid because he felt like a slave, he didn't feel like a son. All that he was created for, all of his identity was suddenly stolen from him. But at that fall, 
the place where we became separated from a father, the place where we started to live out this idea that we somehow were orphans and no longer sons, something else happened to us. We became bent on the idea that somehow we can fix ourselves. I can do this myself. I can change me. I can create religion that can seek to train my broken self. And so we began bent on the idea that somehow we could find enough self-help, moralism, or religion. But the problem is all of that in our life never had the power to do what? Renew us. At best, at best, it would only give us about 74 to 80 years of refurbishment. But nothing more. You go, wow, I've never, never seen it this way. Well, well I want to tell you. At that moment that we were found in our brokenness, God did the unthinkable. You know what it says in John three sixteen? God so loved the world. See, I want to tell you some good news today because one of our Jesus, our church is gospel. We believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You know what good news is today? God didn't send his son because you were so jacked up. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, it wasn't you. <laughs> You may look jacked up, but it wasn't why. You were not the reason why. The good news is God sent his son because he loved the world. And you are a part of that world. You could put your name right in that slot. God so loved Sean that he sent Jesus. Man, that's good news. I mean, golly, that, that right there is a game changer right there, right? So God so loved us that he sent Jesus. And by the way, Jesus was all of God. He took a part of himself and he sent Jesus to die in the flesh so that we could be what? Born again. That somehow God was creating a way to take us back to who we were intended to be in a garden when he looked down and all of his image was in us and all of his life was in our nostrils. Because most of us all life, what we've thought is that the gospel is about the fact that Jesus became a victim because we were so bad. And that's not true. Jesus became the victor because you are so loved. Oh, man. See, this whole idea about fixer-upper and living transformed, it's not about how we can sit around and build the walls back. It's about what God did to put Jesus back into us so that life could flow in our life again. And before Jesus died and left this earth, he said these words to a group of followers in an upper room. He said, I'm going away. And when I go away, I'm going to send someone even better. Because instead of me being physical on this earth, he's going to live inside of you. And his name is the Holy Spirit. He's a counselor. He's a helper. He's a guide. He's going to remind you of everything I said. He's going to lead you into all truth. So I laugh sometimes when people say, man, I'm, a, I'm afraid to talk to the Holy Spirit. What if I call out some weird spirit? Dude. He knows who he is. He doesn't have an identity crisis. He's just waiting for you to figure out he's there. But Jesus said, I'm going away, and here's the thing. If Jesus would have stayed on this earth, we would have been limited to the physical presence of Jesus. 
Let's say Jesus would have stayed in Jerusalem. You and I are in South Atlanta. That's a long distance between us and Jesus. But he said, I'm going away because there's going to become one and he's going to come and he's going to live inside of you. And here's what it gave us. Jesus in us. All of God, all the time. Oh, that's beautiful. You see, before Jesus died, he knew, I've got to go away so this can come live inside you. And when the Holy Spirit does, you are going to forever change. Because remember God's goal. He wants to take us back to who we were when he created us. It's funny, Paul spoke about this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's trying to get us to understand the imagery of, of who Jesus was and why he came and who Adam was. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15 in verse 45, look what it says. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. In other words, God breathed life into them. The last Adam, what? The last, he's talking about Jesus. A life-giving spirit. Verse 46, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual, look at verse 47. The first man was of the dust of the earth. That's the original Adam. The second man is of, of heaven, and his name is Jesus. And why did Jesus do all this? Look at verse 49. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, you and I look a lot like Adam, right? We got flesh. So shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. You see, God's big reveal is way bigger than this wall. He wants to take us back to who we were in a garden. He allowed an earthly man to be born, but he allowed Jesus to come because he wants to reveal Jesus in you and me. That ought to make you shout. Maybe after I've met Jesus, I'm not as broken as I think I am. Here's what happened. Jesus came to restore your true identity. To bring you back. Look at what Paul said in Colossians related to this. And he says, then have put on the new self. That's who we are in Jesus. That's the transformed life, which is being what? Renewed. Not renovated. And how is it being renewed? In knowledge, in the image of its creator. Colossians 3, verse 10. That's a pretty honking big reveal. Oh man, isn't that amazing? And here's what we learned last week that is transformative to that. That the cross is what gave us the permission to see that happen. The word of God becomes our, 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 our mainstay of our identity. It's the frame of our identity. It's the truth of who we really are. But then we learn that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we can have all of God all the time. And he's just saying, just keep the switch on. I don't, don't, don't just kick the generator over. I got so much more for you. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 4, 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. How many of you have ever lost heart before? Be honest, all right? If you were a Tony Romo fan, you just lost heart again. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> he says, therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being what? Renewed 
day by day. So here's the cool thing. This transformation, my body's dying. Your body's dying. Listen, there's a 100% chance everyone in this room is going to die. 100%. Say thanks. <laughs> but there's a 100% chance in this room that everybody can be renewed day by day by day. Why? Because this was God's plan. This was his fixer-upper. The cross permitted it. The word promised it. But the Holy Spirit came to empower it. And he's personal and he's powerful. And therefore, it's no longer about strategies for my struggles. It's about being renewed by the word of God and learning to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. The word and the spirit. Oh my gosh. So last week I said this phrase and it really freaked some of you out, but I'm gonna say it again. Jesus didn't die just so we could go to heaven. Jesus died so that heaven could come live in us and we can be transformed. So I wanna ask you a question today. Are you ready to see your fixer-upper? Are you? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you ready to see your fixer-upper? Yeah. Here it is. Here it is right here. Here it is. I was created for God's image. He breathed all of himself into me. Jesus, look what you've done in my life. I knelt beside of my bed when I was 17 and I trusted you with my life and you came inside of me through your Holy Spirit and you've changed every part of who I am. Look, folks, you're the fixer-upper. Paul, looked at one of his young disciples. His name was Timothy. He said, Timothy, he said, I don't want you to be afraid because you're gonna go out and you're gonna tell the world about the saving grace of Jesus. But I want you to understand who you are, Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, he begins to show him his true identity. Listen to these words of what he says. 2 Timothy chapter one, verse seven. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now I know because I've done this in my life, I've read that verse a thousand times and here's what I do. Wow, if I could just somehow to attain to that. Like that's my, that's my goal. Like I, I, I don't wanna be afraid anymore. Like I wanna be loving. Like I wish I had more self-control. Like I wish I could operate more power in my life. And so we do, we go to ourselves. But what he said is true. He said, for God has not given us a spirit, not of fear. If you go back to the original translation, for God gave us equals it's already there. It's already there. You know the part of the fixer-upper I love? When they show them the house and they go, wow, I had no idea this is what it could be. And then they open the door and they start walking them through the rooms. (gasps) 
This was a gnarly closet. And now it's our master bedroom. That's what Paul did right here. He said, hey, Timothy, this is who you are transformed in Jesus. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. See, I, I want to show you the rooms today, okay? I, I, want, I want you to see the rooms today. See, he, here's the thing. This is the first room I want you to see. Here's what he said. He looked at him and he said, you don't have to be fearful anymore. You can be fearless. You see, the word fear here is the word phobos, is where we get the word phobia. And Lord knows in our country, in our world, we are full of everything that we're afraid of. Like I met a person not too long ago, they were afraid of short people. And I went, where did you get that phobia? Like, did someone play the Wizard of Oz, like, as you were growing up? And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I met a person that they're, they're afraid of wind, don't live in Oklahoma. That's all I can say, bro. God will set you free and send you to Atlanta where there is no wind. And some of you go, and that's why I feel cursed. There's no wind. But here's what he was saying. You already have all that you need to live fearless. I want to make this statement to you today. Write it down. Anything in our lives that is of fear is not of God. What are you afraid of today? God says he put his spirit inside of you and it's a spirit, not of fear. That means it's a spirit of fearlessness. Look what Romans eight fifteen says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into what? Into fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons as we cry, Abba, Father. So the cool thing is, you know, last week we said there's no condemnation and we know why there's no condemnation because it's the spirit of God living in us and he's renewing us and he's changing us. And by the way, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we are a new creation. And now I want to show you what the room looks like. We don't have to live fear. Why? Because we're not slaves anymore. We're sons. You see, the coolest thing about being a dad is my son knows how to pull my chain. He can act like crazy, but I'm still his dad and I still love him. And he doesn't have to come to me full of fear because let me make this statement. Fear is foreign to the Holy Spirit. It's foreign. Where in your life are you fear? Anything in your life that is of fear is not of God. You see, a spirit of continual anxiety that governs someone. That's kind of one of those definitions of fear. People live with so much fear and it's like, man, bro, that's not who you are. So that idea is that we're always worrying that something will go wrong or that somebody will be displeased by our life. And, and so we get into this idea that we live for the approval of others. I like what Craig Rochelle says about that. He says, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. And by the way, God thinks about you a lot more than other people do, no matter how big social media is. The Bible says in Psalms 139, 18, before you got up this morning, his thoughts towards you were like a million sands on the earth. 
God thinks that, yeah. So why would you be afraid? Why would you be afraid of what someone can do to you? God says, listen, I want to show you the new room of your new identity. And it's that you can be fearless. You say, well, how do I get that way? You've got to realize that it comes through letting Jesus change your way of thinking. A new framework. Holy Spirit, change the way I think towards myself and the way that I see others. I want to tell you something. I, I gained a new way of learning to love you the day I stopped loving me. You're married here today. You're struggling. Oh, man, if she would just do this differently. If he would just change this. No, 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 listen. Why don't you let Jesus change you? Instead of being afraid all the time. You know, fearlessness is not the same as courage. You can have courage in the midst of fear. So this idea that I've got to to bold up on everyone and I've got to push up on, no, 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 no. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Acts 2.43 that when the Holy Spirit came and they started seeing people come alive, that God replaces fear. You know what he replaced it with? Awe. It says it in Acts 2.43. He filled them not with fear. Like when the Holy Spirit came, they weren't running around going, oh, this will wreck our church. Oh, this will wreck my life. He walked around going, oh, look at who God is. We need more awe, y'all. What if you came in here on Sunday morning and you're like, dude, I don't care if my team wins or loses. I'm just full of the awe of God. Look at who God is. Not look at who I'm not. Listen, you'll lose a lot of your fear when you take your eyes off yourself and you put your eyes on him. Stand in awe. I stand in awe. <laughs> God replaces fear with awe. We can live fearless lives. You know, the next one is this. He says this. He says, you don't have to live fearful. You can live in power. This fixer-upper has a room. It's called power. What is power? It's promised by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, what did he say in Acts 1-8? You will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he says, and you will become my witnesses. Like people will notice. So what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to change our lives when we begin to operate in a new power. And we got to see it first in Peter's life because Peter, you know, stick my foot in my mouth. Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit and he begins to speak and God gave him power. Look at what power he gave him. He gave him the exact words to say. Here's what I know about Peter. He didn't have any time to prepare a sermon. He just opened his mouth. And God began to speak through him. Matthew 10, verses 19 through 20, Jesus promised this. He says, you will stand publicly and you will begin to speak and, and you'll just go, where in the world did that come from? Because you start operating in power. And listen, listen to what else happened. The book of Acts chapter two, verse 37 says, when he spoke, he began working in those who heard what he said. You begin to operate in this power and then suddenly people start responding. Think about it. He didn't have time to prepare a sermon. See, some of us are afraid of God's power. We need to not be afraid of it. And here's why. God gives us power in order to display his authority in us. It is not for us. Hey, look at how much power I have. No, no, no. It's that moment when you look at someone's life and you know everything they're going through personally 
but you see a power that is not of them being displayed through their life. That's why I think Paul said, God's grace is sufficient for me, for his power is made perfect in what? My weakness, not in my strength. The power was never about us. It was about God revealing and displaying his authority in our lives. And here's what I love about it. We don't have to operate in brokenness anymore. We can begin to operate in boldness. That's the room that we have. But it gets better because there's another room. It's called love. Love. Look at your neighbor and say love. That was awkward, wasn't it? Love. See, what happened through the cross of Christ is that God brought us back to a place like we were in the garden. And not only did it restore fellowship, but he gave us the opportunity to experience love like we've never known it before. We were always intended to be a house that love built. That's why God created us. He loved us. But now that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, now we can be a house where love dwells. First John 4, 18, it says, perfect love drives out fear. See, love makes fear go away. Is there any reason, have you thought about this, why the first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. It's the first fruit. I don't know that we can honestly say, well, that's proof that it's the, but, but Paul said it. He said, I wish you had all these other things, but this is what I want you to have the most, Corinthian church. I want you to love each other. You see, you and I have this potential now because of the transformation in our life. We get to prove the transformation because we get to love each other. When Jesus was talking to the church at Laodicea, do you remember what he called them out for? The last church, one of those last churches in Revelations, in Revelations 3, he says, you have done this. You have lost your first, what did he say? I can't hear you. He said, you've lost your first love. Isn't it crazy that Jesus was more concerned that they lost love? Because it's the one thing that transformed us. God so loved us. And so he says, now you've got this whole new potential to love each other. And it's a room that you and I can operate in. And what happens is love becomes so powerful that we can live unoffended lives. I don't care what the newspaper says. I don't care what the TV station says. I don't care what the political pundits say. Listen, it doesn't matter to me anymore what you think about me. I know what God says about me. It doesn't matter who hurt me in my past. Because now I have this whole new ability to operate in love. And then there's this last room. It's self-control. <laughs> I didn't say willpower. Because that's your refurbished religious nature trying to drum it up again. I just got to have more willpower. No, you don't. You ain't got enough. <laughs> if I just had more willpower... No, that's your problem. You have too much willpower. You need supernatural Holy Spirit to give you self-control. And so I started thinking about this the other day. What does it mean to live in this self-control? It means I let the Holy Spirit become ruler over my desires. 
There's so many things I desire in my old life that are not of whom I am in my new identity. And the cool thing is this. He tells us in the word that we now have a new potential to operate and access self-control. See, Psalms 37.4, this is a great example. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many of you have heard that verse before? Yeah, so here's what we think it says. If I do what God tells me to do, God will let me do what I want to do. Woo, is that what that verse says? Hey, I wanna back it up for you and I wanna show you how self-control is in that verse right here. Let's, let's say it backwards real quick. <laughs> I love this, man. This is awesome. Maybe my desires will be different if my delight is different. Maybe if I take my desires and put them aside and I start delighting on the right thing, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God in my life, the word of God, the truth of God's word, all of the promises of God, my desires become changed by my delight. I have a whole new form of self-control. I need somebody real quick, just one person. One person who would openly say they've given their life to Jesus. One person. Who is it? Stand, come, come up here, Ann. I wouldn't plan on doing this, so y'all give Ann a round of applause. Just come around here if you would. This is how I want us to close today. I get to hold your hand just for a minute, okay? Because that's what good hosts do. They always walk people on stage. Look, look. You're God's fixer-upper. He's changed every part of you. He's given you a whole new identity. He's given you fearless, power, love, self-control in and of himself. It's not of you. He chose you before the earth was ever formed and he puts you together out of clay and he breathed his life into your nostrils and he's looking at you and he's saying, look what I did, Ann. Look how I changed you. I delivered you. I set you free from yourself. I saved you when you couldn't even save yourself. But I just didn't leave you as an orphan. I put my Holy Spirit in you. And now you have all of me all the time. And you don't have to sit around and feel like a slave because now you're a son and you're a daughter. It's who you are. And it's who he is. Y'all give it up for Ann. Thank you. I couldn't think of a more beautiful person to do that with. Listen, if we had three more hours, I'd do that with every one of you. Maybe before you leave today, we'll just leave this open. Maybe before you leave today, you'll just walk up on the stage and you'll look in that mirror and you'll realize you are the fixer upper. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.